Redeemer Nation, what is up? John here. Hope you're all having a wonderful day. On this episode of the podcast, we sit down with Corey Brown, an ultra runner from Ohio, to discuss FKTs as a continuation from Ridge Runner Live number 11. If you had not have a chance to go watch that yet, go watch or listen to that first before listening to this one. They kind of go hand in hand. Sit back or go for a run and enjoy. Awesome. What is going on, Ridge Runner Nation? We are back for our 12th Ridge Runner Live show tonight. We're joined by a very special guest. We have Corey Brown on the show tonight. We're super excited to dive in uh, with his story, how he found ultra running, uh, what he loves most about the ultra running community, and of course, a little FKT discussion based on Ridge Runner Live number 11. But without further ado, Corey, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being uh, no. here. Yeah, we're super excited to have you on. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Corey commented on our YouTube uh, page for the 11th Regener Live. He had some awesome thoughts and insights to kind of share about what he thought the FKT discussion should be kind of geared towards. And we're kind of excited to learn a little bit about that as well. Uh, before we get too deep into things, let's start off with what everyone's drinking tonight. John, what are you drinking? Oh, so I've got my sister hooked me up with this fancy social distancing beer. Coffee stout um, from Bookhouse Brewing up in Cleveland, which is apparently is a brewery that doesn't have any TVs and has books on the walls. So it's a pretty interesting place. I have to go check it out when we get out of this quarantine. That's awesome. Corey? I am drinking a great value purified drinking water um, with some acai blueberry uh, mix with caffeine, of course. Awesome. Awesome. And I've got uh good night. It's uh, Oscar blues brothers, I believe, or Oscar blues brewing. And I've uh, been drinking these for the past couple weeks now and big fan of these, but now that that's out of the way, let's talk a little about the FKT discussion. Obviously original live, we had Michael Owen, Travis, Ziffel, Nick Voss, uh, the original live panel on the show and John missed out on the, all the fun. John leaves for an episode and uh, everything falls apart. Yeah, <laughs> Can't leave you alone anymore. <laughs> You, you leave me with Nick Voss leading the show and uh, things fall fall apart apparently. But no, we, I think it was a good discussion to be had about uh, just the FKT scene. And obviously everyone's trying to social distance right now and people are looking for new avenues and adventures to explore. And I think that's that's great. I think we're all trying to kind of find new ways to stay engaged with our running. Um, but with that, I think some people have kind of taken it to the extremes and whatnot. I think some people maybe have created uh, some FKTs and maybe shouldn't be FKTs. Maybe this should be Strava segments instead. Um, there's obviously a fine line of that. Like who's the governing, who's the governing body that determines that? How do you determine what a Strava segment is compared to an FKT? Like well, so many variables play into that, but Corey, I'd love to just kind of get your thoughts on uh, just the FKT scene, maybe going back to last episode and kind of what you had to comment about that. Sure. Well, I, I kind of want to start just by saying that I kind of had, I think my reaction was kind of spurned by kind of a personal reaction at first, because I did have a couple of, of buddies who had set FKTs like prior to the discussion. So I think a lot of it definitely a, a personal uh, piece played into that um, from the beginning. And then so it was like the episode, it was the, uh, the rundown episode before the Ridge Runner Live episode um, that you highlighted uh, Jared Heights, uh, Logan Trail FKT. Yep. And then it was then the live episode right after that, that, you know, the discussion about FKTs and uh, fake FT, F- FKTs came about. And then there was a comment that Michael left in relation to the Zaleski backpack trail FKT and it just all kind of sat kind of weird with me, I guess. And then kind of as a mid pack runner, I just kind of felt like it, it was kind of like a gatekeeping type of situation with FKTs. And because if you look at the FKT site, I think obviously it, obvious, it's probably not, the the best way to you know say what is an fkt and what's not an fkt you have a couple few guys who are approving these things or disproving these things but if you look back to even like september 2019 
they approved the Hargis uh, Lake Loop, which is a four mile loop. And, and so I don't think that the quarantine or, you know, the pandemic has necessarily played into them approving things that are shorter or um, that people who aren't as, who might not have, so let's say just the Zaleski, obviously we know people have ran Zaleski, you know, and that, you know, when Zaleski was submitted, the person that submitted it was probably not the fastest person ever run at Zaleski. But in order, I guess, you don't have to submit a time when you submit an FKT necessarily. You can submit just the route, but the person submitted their time knowing that the time was going to fall. And so I, I don't necessarily think it was a fake FKT. I mean, they probably weren't the fastest person to run it or to ever run it, but just to establish a time for people then to look at and say, okay, I, I want to go out and beat that time. I think it provides opportunities for people to, to go out and and shoot for something, I guess. Yeah. Locally. Because in Ohio, we don't really necessarily, even if you look at the site now, there have been a few added in the last couple months for sure. But we still don't have a lot. For and, sure. And so I think that it, it definitely provides an opportunity, not just for mid-pack runners, I think. I think it provides an opportunity for anybody to go out and, and maybe even say, oh, I didn't even know that the Burr Oak trail even existed i didn't even know the shawnee ridge trail even existed you know and maybe even you know look at new parks and 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 things like that so i think that that's another way to kind of get more people running trails in ohio yeah no i mean i agree when it, i remember uh obviously that jared heights submitted the uh uh what's the, the logan trail right logan fk FKT there and mm -hmm. uh Richard Combs is in the chat right now and he kind of made that popular like he was all about getting people to run that and it, it was yeah. super it was super awesome to see because I had no idea that existed I didn't really know too much about it and uh just kind of bringing awareness to that but I didn't actually know that that was an FKT but after doing some research into it I actually found out that that was actually a pretty legitimate one I think that one's like 16 miles has over 2,500 or close to 3,000 feet of uh gain as well and so i mean that's definitely one the lake hargus one that's that one's a little tougher for me obviously uh submitted a while ago it's a four mile loop basically around a lake but um yeah i mean it's kind of interesting just to how these fkts have kind of developed and i i, I think it is good to have more people kind of get out there and really uh, challenge themselves on these courses john what are your thoughts on, on this so for me, some, from what I gather, because I, like I said, I wasn't a part of last week's or two weeks ago discussion, but um, watching or listening to that and then, you know, listening to all the arguments down in the the comments, you know, for me, it look at like, I think it's great that it shows different courses. Like you guys were talking about, it showcases different areas and different courses. To me, though, I'm interested, like, is, is the FKT website, is that what that's for, though? Like, like I, I guess you could show off a bunch of courses and there's a whole bunch of like awesome trails down in Athens that we've run and you know, Thunder Buddy's great, but does Thunder Buddy need an FKT? Um, Sundown Trail's great too, but like you can also find those through other me mediums as well, like from like Facebook when Richard was jumping that particular course all over the place. I didn't find out about it from an FKT. I found out about it because someone posted it in like a social media group that we all paid attention to. So I think there's a differentiation between those two and and putting it on for an FKT is different than, you know, wanting to bring awareness to the trail. Um, but I think the hard part is figuring out where that gray area is and where that, what qualifies, what as an eligible course and what doesn't. And it is weird. Like you said, it is just like two guys who, you know, make that decision pretty much or a group of handful of guys who kind of decide what's, what's what and what's not. And maybe there should be more involvement in that. Yeah, I mean, Buzz, Buzz and Peter obviously have uh, their hands full, especially with uh, new FKTs flying in all over the place recently. I don't know if you've checked the site recently, but I feel like over 100 have been added in the past couple weeks alone. Um, Corey, were you going to jump in? Yeah, and I, and I think like the argument between like having something as a Strava segment as opposed to having it as an FKT and kind of where the gray area is for me a little bit is if some, so the reason why Richard was posting that everywhere was because he wanted more people to run it because then it becomes more viewable as a Strava segment, the more people that have run it. So if you go to the map and search for segments where Logan is like right now, you won't see that Logan trail FKT because only a couple people have actually run that course. 
it won't pop up. And it's really hundred percent based on popularity of the course for it to pop up. So I know there's other ways to find that there's a Logan trail uh, other than the FKT site. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not, you know, saying that we, anybody saying that Logan trail does not qualify as FKT. I'm just using it for an example because it's something that is fairly new mm-hmm. and only I think three people now have actually ran that trail and on, on Strava, you know, or maybe four, three or four people have run it on Strava. So the more people that run it, the more accessible it becomes to be viewed, uh, to be viewed as a, as a segment on Strava, because that's kind of how their algorithm works. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I, I saw recently that the Mohican uh, mountain bike loop was added as an FKT and that one's really tough for me. Like first off, if you're an ultra runner in the community and in Ohio, especially, you probably know about the Mohican, uh, 50, the hundred, the 25 K or the marathon or whatnot. And I mean, the race itself varies off of, uh, the mountain bike trail ever so slightly. Like it's, it's basically what 90% probably is the MTB trail there. And so like, I get like the unsupported versus supported aspect of, uh, an FKT adventure, but that one, I feel like it's just so tough for me to get behind as an actual FKT just because, I mean, there's people that have done that loop 95% of the, of the time, like blazing it. Like I don't even want to know what Alex Gold's time was last year when he set the 50 mile course record. So yeah. And I know, I know he's out there cruising. I mean, I talked to a buddy who was running the hundred said he just blew right by him, you know? Um, and, and I think it's highly unlikely that someone is going to set an FKT outside of a race if it's on a race course. Um, and I, and I don't see the point in necessarily differentiating between a course record and an FKT. If it's on the same course, there's really no reason to do that. If it's a course, you know, it's, if it's a course. Um, and I know it is ever so slightly. Um, so an argument can be made that sure it can be an FKT because it's not the Mohican 100 course or, you know, um, but I think that's just kind of, then we'll be arguing semantics and, you know, it's, so I'm, it's, it's, it's kind of hit or miss for me on that one. I don't think, I don't, I don't necessarily see, again, it, it's 95% of, of it is on that trail. Alex Gold obviously is tremendously fast and incredible athlete. I don't know that anybody's ever ran, you know, that course that fast before. So I would, I would venture to say that if someone wants to go out there and try to try, try to break, you know, try to break that and upload it to the site, then they're well within their means to do so. But um, I can see your point on that for sure. I would, I would actually agree more with Corey too versus Wesley on that one. Like where I think that it, that it's different enough that it's a mountain bike trail and one's a, one's a course, one's a race course that has different pieces of trails and one's a legit trail that well, not, not, not that the course isn't a legit trail, but that the trail has, you know, that is the trail that was built by, you know, Mohican state park is in the mountain bike trail. And then there's the Mohican 50 mile trail, which is like you said, close, but different. I think it'd be interesting. Cause like you could have a thunder bunny, like trail FKT or whatever, but it's a course record, but also at the same time, like you could differentiate it just slightly and do different pieces of different trails. I think that's, I think there's always going to be overlap in terms of trails because of the way that they're designed. They're not all specific loops or specific things that are on their own. They're all like interconnected and you, you can make different distances and whatnot throughout there. I think one of the issues I think that Wesley and Nick and everyone last week was really hitting on was the maybe an oversaturation of FKTs um, where it's become so oversaturated that everyone has one and then it takes away like some of the meanings behind them. But any thoughts and, on that? Yeah. And I thought my argument in reference to that was more or less that if I went out and said, you know, I think the Hargis Lake loop, and I keep on going back to this, whoever has this FAT, you know, I'm not, obviously it's a four mile loop. That's awesome. You know, if you can sprint a four mile loop, that's great. You know, um, but whoever has that, or I mean that, that loop itself, I think it just makes something like the John Muir trail look magnanimous or something like the AT look magnanimous. I think it almost enhances the achievements of somebody who runs something like point to point across, you know, even like Pete when he ran across the United States like that, I think it just almost makes it look that much bigger to me. But again, I think everything's going to be so subjective um, that 
it's going to be hard to really nail down unless they really nail down and have some kind of like, bo- like a governing body, like Wes said, to where people really have like a committee that sits down and says this, these are the parameters. I mean, cause there are guidelines that are established on the site, but I don't think it's a hard and fast. I mean, cause if they're willing to accept a four mile loop and they say they want it to be at least five, five miles and 500 feet of gain and they're accepting things that aren't that necessarily, then I think, I think we have individuals making choices and, I think we as, as runners and just as humans in general have the right to have, you know, an opinion on, on whether or not the choices that they're making are good for the sport or not, you know, as a whole. Um, so I, I really enjoy the fact that we're able to have this kind of a discourse to kind of talk about these things. Cause I think it's really interesting. For sure. And, uh, just a little update on the Lake Hargis four mile loop, uh, <laughs> Last weekend, some people may know this, some people may not, but Josh Sanders, uh, Michigan r- local runner, I believe. Uh, some people may know him as like the FKT king. I think this guy goes out and runs FKTs every single day if he can find one. Uh, he has a lot of them. Uh, I think he's sponsored by Solomon. Um, good, solid runner. But he drove basically from Michigan to Cincinnati to run the Hargis Loop four-mile trail and two other FKTs in the Cincinnati area around that area uh, to get basically three FKTs in 24 hour period that were like, are they really FKTs? Is that, is that really an effort that's like worth an eight hour drive each way kind of, and he got two out of three, he got the Lake Hargis one. And then one other one, I think he missed out on the tar hollow one. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> so that was uh, for what it is, for what it's worth. But actually, uh, this the past couple of days, someone, a local runner to the Lake Hargis Loop that basically runs it every single day, uh, went out there and basically crushed Josh's time by over a minute per mile. So now at that time is probably cemented unless you're super fast going out there. So um, I guess that's what it takes, right? Like if someone's willing to drive, I mean, Josh, just a good example. Like I think it's good to maybe expose trails locally, but if someone's basically driving eight hours one way or whatever his drive was to exploit an FKT for, for fame or whatever it is, I, I just can't get behind that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would say that he's exploiting it or anything like that. I mean, if he's, if he's going out and getting FKTs, that's his thing. Maybe that's his, his draw or his, his got a passion behind it of some sort. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people who go out and like, what do they always say about, isn't it, um, Rob Crar comes around and hits up trails and he just steals all the course records from everybody on Strava, but like not intentionally, I guess he's not doing it intentionally, but like, even if this guy is doing it intentionally and trying to go out there and get those, which obviously it sounds like he is, if he drove eight hours to do it, that may be his like metal thing, you know, he racks up some FKTs and that's what makes him happy. Um, and I don't, I don't think that that's wrong if he wants to do that. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I don't think it's wrong, but I do think, and, and again, I'm not here to judge anybody and what they, and what they decide to do. But I do think obviously some people glory hunt. Some people are out here to, to hunt for glory. And that's, you know, and, and I, and I'm every bit as guilty of doing things like that too. Like when I first started running, uh, I was running just five K's and I would intentionally seek out five K's that had like that, that, people won with like 20 minutes or something like that. That way I had a chance to, you know, hit that podium, you know, because it gives you validation as a runner to continue to run, I feel like. And so I don't, you know, I don't think that I was wrong for seeking out races that I knew I could do well at. Uh, I think that's, if that's what people need, that motivation to continue to do it. So if, you know, he needs to seek out these FKTs, no matter how big, how small to continue a passion of running. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he, again, I don't want to, I don't want to judge anybody individually. So I can judge myself and say that um, maybe I had, maybe I have some personal things that it makes me feel better as a human to, to do well. And if I can not necessarily fake it because my time is my time, regardless of what race I'm at. But if I get a second place, when I had another race, I might've got a 500th place. Uh, that second place still makes me feel pretty good. I mean, I'm a competitive runner myself. Like that's, I mean, you'll ask people that I'm close with the main reason why I do it. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons, but the main reason why I always say is I'm a competitor. Like I love getting out there, like training 
motivating, like in beating people, especially my friends, whoever it is, Tim Crow, Chadwick, Alex Jackson, I beat him all the time. <laughs> Not actually, but <laughs> that's what motivates it for me. And Josh, um, obviously, uh, has a lot of FKTs and whatnot. And even his races, I peeked at his ultra sign up just to kind of like look at, see and what kind of races he's up to. And he's doing races and I'm not, I'm not bashing Josh or whatnot, but, uh, he has run some races in Ohio that I've just never heard of, like the broken toe 50 K, uh, the get lucky 50, 50, like 50 K, like these are two Ohio races that I have never heard of. And he like won both of them. And so, I mean, I guess if you do want the glory and you're going out there and, uh, running maybe newer races too. I mean, I don't, these could both be new races last year. So, um, it's just kind of interesting to kind of see like how this is, uh, Eric Anderson's in the chat said, I don't know how much glory it is. I've never even heard of this guy. Do what makes you happy. So, and I think that's a fine point. And as long as everyone's doing what makes them happy, especially in these times, it's, it's fine with me. Surely. Surely. And, and I have heard of broken toe 50 K and get lucky 50, 50. Um, I think, um, get lucky. I feel like that's, uh, in, Akron-ish area for some reason. I'm not sure why I feel that way, but I've so been... Go ahead. I'm so sorry. Uh, Harveysburg. I don't know if you know where that area is. No, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> and then I feel like Broken Toe. I feel like that might be a uh, O R R R C race. I feel like I'm not sure. Don't you know? I think that might be the um, Ohio River Runner, like Dayton area. Yep, they have yep. like a, yeah, they have a group that, and I know I felt like Jared Heiss has run that race. Uh, quite a few times and um but it's been around for a while it's obviously not you know you're you know forget the pr where you're getting you know 150 people running it or 200 people running it um but some of those races are just a little bit more accessible for people too because if you get a membership to that to that group some of these 50ks will cost you 15 bucks to enter and so sometimes it's more accessible. Like the first race I ever raced was a donation based race. It was called the uh, Crowell Halaka 50 K. It was in Richfield and it was put on by um, running forward and giving back. And so all the proceeds went to that park and there were 20 people that ran in it. So it was very, very small. And was, I think it was the second year that, you know, and again, I wasn't, and I, I, I openly admit the fact that I used to do this with five K's back when I used to run five K's and stuff, but I, you know, I knew I wasn't going to come anywhere close to, it was my first 50 K. So I knew I wasn't going to come anywhere close to, to winning. I think I got eighth out of 20th. Like, so, I mean, I was quite happy. I went sub six for my first time, you know, when my first race was a sub six, so not very much elevation gain or anything, but I, you know, it's, I think sometimes I was trying to like at that point run within my means as far as like financially. So I was able to, to, you know, donate some money to a good cause and then also run against some great competitors, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've heard of the running forward, giving back. And I only say like, I've never heard of the race just cause we, I, we kind of cover a lot of races and sure. I feel like, like, I mean, I've done enough research. I learned more about races doing this show and uh, the rundown obviously than I've ever even knew races existed. In, oh yeah. I know Michael made the point last last week, and I know he didn't like expound on this point, but he said something about there's just way too many races, and um, there are a lot of races. But again, I think that's just another opportunity for people to get out and um, you know explore different trail systems. And you know, I, I'm not saying I, I, I disagree because I'm not sure from like a race director standpoint, you know, what that means. But I think from a runner standpoint, it's kind of nice to have different options out there, you know, to run. For sure. And I, let's, before we like totally end on this, uh, Josh discussion, uh, Josh did run like a four Oh five at this 50 K. So it's not like he's yeah. winning with like a four or like even a five thirty or just yeah. kind of trotting along. I mean, the four Oh five is respectable no matter oh, yeah. what the race is. So, uh, he obviously has some pace to him and, uh, kudos to Josh for doing what he does to make him happy. Um, yeah, the, the race discussion is kind of one that I have been kind of diving into more recently. I think that there's way too many 100 milers on the East coast and even across the country, honestly, like there's just, I feel like there's a couple of them that could do a better job of marketing themselves better and, uh, 
really making themselves better events. And I'm not going to really dive into which ones I think those are, but mm-hmm. I think those ones, if they fully bought in to that concept would just rise above the rest of them. And like the new ones that pop up are sometimes more interesting than the ones that have been around for 20 years. And like, for example, the rim to river, uh, 100 miler this year in West Virginia, that's coming out. I think it's October. That race looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Like that race is like when I have circled down, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it this year, next year or whatnot, but, uh, for a first year event, that one looks pretty solid. Yeah, I, I agree. That's one I saw. Uh, obviously, I don't think I'm at the point yet where I am comfortable with running 100 miles. I'm actually going to, uh, we're trying, I'm going to run my first 50 next weekend. Uh, it's really just a training run, but I'm, we're going to, I'm going to try to hit 50 miles next weekend. So I, try, I actually tried my first like ultra race ever was an attempt at a 50 mile run in a training run. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm gonna, we're going to try to hit 50 next week, but yeah, I'm not really ready for a hundred, but I, I think w- when you get into like certain races being like Western States qualifiers and, and, um, I guess they're probably easier than some of the races on the West coast, you know, and people are fighting for spots to get in when it's a lottery like that. I think it becomes a little bit questionable just because, people are definitely running harder to get into a race like Western States. And then if we run, you know, a race that is considerably easier to get into it, to, to get into that race, then, you know, you feel bad for people who are like working harder to, and I guess the same, I mean, we can, you know, bring that back to the FKT discussion, honestly. I mean, it's literally the same argument, but yeah, you know, I can use my art, you know, you can use my argument against me on, on that, but I, I, I can see that though. I can see where sometimes these races on the East coast, not, and not every East coast race, I'm talking like flatland 100 mile races, you know? Yeah. I mean, even like burning river, for example, I'm just going to throw this one out there. Burning river is not an easy race. I did not finish that race. Like try running a hundred miles at the end of July, you know, in Northeast Ohio. Like even if the course only has a couple thousand feet of gain, the sun is going to torch you. That's just not an easy day out there for, for anyone. So I think like, I mean, that race is obviously a Western qualifier as it deserves to be and whatnot. And like, I'm not saying like that should not be a a Western qualifier or whatnot, but uh, it is interesting to see races like say rim to river uh, pop up and like, it wouldn't shock me if that race, if it goes well for the first one or two years, if it gets qualified, uh, for Westerns very fast, just based on how different it is in this general area. Sure. No, I agree. Well, awesome. Well, uh, let's kind of shift topics here. Uh, we want to kind of learn a little bit about you. We kind of dove right in because obviously that's kind of what we wanted to do or whatnot, but we also were trying to figure out like who, who's Corey. Obviously you said you're running 50 miles next weekend. Uh, what's your kind of your motivation behind that, uh, attempt that you want to do that. So, I'll just kind of start back from like the very beginning of like my running days. And so I've, I always was like kind of heavy growing up. Um, I, I kind of, I gained a lot of weight freshman 15 turned into freshman, like 80 more or less. And so like, like 2010, I was about 230 pounds. Um, and I had some buddies who said they wanted to go to uh, the smoky mountains and climb a mountain. And I was like, okay, you know, 4th of July weekend, we're going to go climb a mountain at the Smoky Mountains. Here I am, 230 pounds out of shape. And I'm like, okay, cool. Sounds great. So we go down there and we decide that we're going to, you know, camp at a campsite. And then the next day we're going to climb this. It's like a 4,949 foot mountain, which again, isn't much, but at, you know, out of shape, 230 pounds is everything. That's my Everest, you know? And, um, so we know nothing about like backwoods camping. We can, we have a tote full of like uh, pots and pans we're carrying up here. We have, I have jeans on and hunting boots and yeah, I, I was out of my element completely, but um, I made it. So I made it to the top of the mountain. I drank everybody. So I, I was the mule. I was carrying everybody's water. I drank all the water on the way up. And, and, and then I was the first one down the mountain. I pretty much like ran down the mountain. I was ready to get back to camp, but that was really what kind of spurred my first like weight loss, like journey. And so I started running like shortly after that and mostly just to lose weight. And I probably lost like 50 pounds. And then 
I ran my first 5k in 2011, I think it was just a local 5k called the, um, Marion popcorn, uh, 5,000. And so we have the popcorn festival here in uh, Marion. That's where I'm from. And we have, uh, popcorn capital of the world. Uh, it's the only thing that we have to be proud of here. But, um, so I ran that, I think I finished it in 28 minutes or something. But again, I think I got an age group award, like second place in my age group or something like that because nobody runs in it. And so that just like fueled me to continue to run. So I continued to run. I think I lost another like 30 pounds or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. So I got down like 150 pounds, 145 pounds and just kept running. I ended up running in another race shortly after that. I ended up finishing in like 25, 24, 24, 25, which again was just like, I was just making tremendous progress. Uh, and I was only running like 20 miles a week and I was, didn't have any kind of good training plan at all. And I was just sprinting everything as fast as I possibly could. I was setting new 5k records every single day. Cause that's all I would do is just run three miles a day just to see how fast I could run three miles. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, well then kind of fell off the wagon. Um, I gained 80, you know, I gained 80 pounds, um, started a stressful job. So I stopped running and then gained 80 pounds. And then I stopped. Then I started running again after I lost that job or left that job like six months later and ended up losing 80 pounds again, started running again. Um, this time I was like taking it seriously. I was doing like interval training and tempo runs and, you know, I was just following the advice of runner's world pretty much. I had again, um, you know, couched a 5k stuff and, but I ended up running like a, at the end of that whole thing, I ended up running like a 20, like a 20, 34 or something like that, which was respectable. I mean, for somebody who's never really been an athlete and someone who's never really, you know, run a lot. Um, but then again, I could stop running again for a while and it was about December of 2018, I think. Yeah. December of 2018. Um, I started gaining weight again. I was like, man, I'm not really falling down this rabbit hole of gaining 80 pounds again. Cause I know it's going to happen if I don't start doing something. So I started running again. It was literally like two, three miles here and there. I think, I think in January I had 120 miles, maybe February I had 98 miles, March, I might've had a hundred miles, same in May or same in April. And then Richard Combs, um, which is, I graduated high school, Richard Combs. We actually like lived like four houses from each other growing up. He's a, he's a Marionite as well. Uh, he sent me, an, so I have, uh, I had a Garmin. And so we, I was part of a Garmin group that he had started or whatever. And so he, he, you know, we were friends on Garmin or whatever it may be. And he knew I ran. So he sent me an invite to this training run backyard style training run at Wolf run regional park, uh, in Mount Vernon, Ohio. Um, sweet four mile loop there. You can get like sit gain. And I call it like Mohican junior. Like it's really a cool little park. If you ever want to just go run a four mile loop, but, um, it, it worked out to like 4.17 miles. So, he sent me the invite and it had like the explanation of how a backyard works. I had never even heard of a backyard, never even knew that people ran hundred miles or anything like that. I just was running for weight loss. So I was like, yeah, sure. This, uh, this is something I think I can do. I think I can run. Uh, and it was only up to 50 miles. So he just wanted to hit that 50 mile mark. Cause that was something that he had never done before up to that point. Um, what he has since now he ran Shawnee 50, uh, this past year in October. So, but I was like, I think I can do that. I think I can run, you know, 12 minute miles every hour for 12 hours, you know? Um, so I trained, I started training for it and I was training for a training run. Um, and I was taking it super seriously. Like this was like, this was, you know, this was my Western States. Honestly, I didn't know any better, but I started like really absorbing everything about ultra running. And I you know, I was like following ginger runner and all the, you know, I was watching all Billy Yang's films and, you know, I just started really like, becoming part of you know, this culture, become a part of me and becoming a part of the culture of trail running. And I met so many people. I was, I was literally just running at high banks Metro park mostly. Um, and I met so many people there. I ran two solo, uh, 50 Ks back to back weekends trying to prepare for this. Like my longest, my longest run before is training for this 50 mile race that, um, was 13 miles. And it was just a training run that I did like when I was doing five Ks. And so it was like three weekends into it. I ran 15 miles. That was my longest run. The next week I ran 20 
and I was just like pushing myself and I ended up, you know, like honestly the six weeks into this, just starting like really running again, I ran a 50 K, um, in like seven hours. Um, but then the day comes to actually do this, uh, backyard that we were doing. And I think it was, I want to say it was July 13th. And I don't know why I remember that, but I want to say it was like the middle of July. It was ridiculously hot. It was like 90 degrees. And, um, I was, I think I was, yeah, I was wearing a uh, Brooks ghost nine, um, <laughs> on trail. So it's a road shoe on trail. Uh, I, I, I had no trail shoes and I've been, so I ran two fifty Ks in these, but again, I was on like gravel paths, So it didn't really matter that much there, but I was on like real trail this time. And I twisted my ankle like three times. And so I think we made it six loops, six and six and a bit. So I think I ran like 27 miles that day. Um, definitely didn't hit 50. But ever since then, I've just I kind of been absorbed in the, a group that um, we all run together. So it's like Richard, his wife, Brittany, uh, Jared Heights, uh, Max Gavazzi, uh, Sam Hartman. And so we're all kind of just, but I mean, we, I started calling us the mid pack wolf pack. And then um, without Jared, Jared's the leader, but he's like the alpha, you know, cause he's like ridiculously fast. But, um, and then Sam called us the trail fiends. So we don't know what our name is, but we're just, we all just run together. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah. You guys got to make sure you guys get your group name established. That's a kind of a big, big, big part. When you show up to races, you want to know who you are when you guys are popping up. Obviously I know a lot of the guys and people in that group, Richard, obviously I've run multiple races with him and talked to a bunch. Uh, it's kind of funny. You said your first, uh, big event was in a road shoot. I did the same thing. Like Hogan 50 and thunder or a uh, Bigfoot 50 K was in like a Mizuno wave inspired nine and 11 or something like that. <laughs> like you just have no idea what you're doing when you get into it until you find the community really. So, um, I know you kind of touched on it, but what, what about you? Like what, if you could like describe the trail running community in a couple sentences, like what makes it so important to you and kind of like what shaped you into who you are today? I just feel like it's, it's support that's, it, you know, and it, it's inside of a race outside of a race. I've only ever ran like two like actual races. Cause I've only been a part of this community for such a short period of time. But I feel like at both those races, the support there was incredible, but it's, it's really the friendships that I've established outside of the races. So with the group that I run with and, and they're not the only people, I mean, I, I have met people at races that I, stay in contact with on Strava and um, I met people just in training runs that I stay in contact with on Strava. There was, you know, people I've met on training runs who I ran with for months. And so I just feel like you, I don't know. I feel like, honestly, it's like, I'm, I'm kind of an introvert in and in, in, but I'm like an extroverted introvert. And the fact that I, I don't mind, like expressing myself and talking to people and being in front of people, but I have to kind of decompress after I do so. So after this is over tonight, I'm gonna have to like turn the lights off and just lay here in silence for, you know, a good four hours just to decompress from this. But I feel like I, I, this is kind of my, I don't know. It's just, this is kind of how I, I establish friendships with people. And this is, you know, how I continue friendships and and the support that I get from the people that I run with is incredible. So I, like I run with people who have like incredibly great knowledge and um, maybe not, maybe it's just something they seek out too. So like, like I was running, um, we were all running at Mohican one time and it was just me and Brittany in the back. And I, and I was out, I had this fixed mindset that this is, you know, I'm always just going to be what I am. And she said, I'm going for a podium at Shawnee 50. Um, you know, after, cause she's on a Mohican 100, um, you know, fingers crossed if it's still on, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or bad thing, but, um, if it can be safely put on, then I, I hope it still does because I really want to see her run that. And I'm excited to crew slash pace if that's what happens. But, um, and that's another thing too, is like, I get these opportunities. Like I was going to go to Georgia death race with Richard as well. And so get opportunities to like, go like, see like beautiful, you know, areas and, and, um, be a part of bigger races and, and things like that too. So, um, but anyway, so she was like, I'm, I'm going to go for a podium at Shawnee 50 next year. And I was just like, 
she can go for a podium. I can go for a podium too, you know? And so that really kind of brought me out of this fixed mindset and then more of a growth mindset to where I, I think I can get better. So then I started like, instead of just like doing these long, slow distances all the time, I started actually start incorporating more like speed work into my running again, started incorporating, you know, some strength training, maybe more like uh, PT exercises and things like that, but just for, like hip strength and mobility and just start taking it more seriously. Um, Cause if I'm going to do it, I might as well do it uh, to the best of my ability. So I think like having that, that support for one and also having that push and having like people who have like incredible expertise when it comes to this, especially being someone who's so new to, to the sport. So. Yeah. That community is, is, is amazing. How, how, important it can be and how um what i'm looking for here in, like influential it can be towards you and your goals and pushing you and doing stuff like i know like a lot of times when i go around with the burning river group i run way faster than i normally would by myself just so yeah. i want to keep up with them and they're just like chatting and having fun and i'm like <sighs> like just trying to keep up with them but like it it makes you a better runner and challenges you in ways that you you know maybe not thought to do um yeah, and that group alone has gotten so fast over the past like year. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it was just me or whatnot, but I feel like in the past like year, that group has just been sprinting there along, which is awesome to see. Uh, Jamie Fenstrow right now signed up for the Shawnee Fifty in that group as well. And if I was putting on the race and I was the race director, I'd give her the one bib right now. But outside of that, that podium spot for that race on the women's side is wide open. So. Brittany definitely has a good chance there. Going back to the Shawnee or the uh, Mohican race, I saw they put out a Facebook post the other day saying like how the race is probably going to still happen. <laughs> well, actually, they said that it's definitely happening, <laughs> which I don't really know, um, I guess, the safety sides of that and how if it should or shouldn't happen. I think if it can happen safely, uh, all for it. But I just don't know if that's actually feasible with having so many people on such a small trail. Yeah, and I think I think safety uh – we have to think about safety in a couple of different ways too, because I mean, we can think about safety when it comes to obviously uh, spreading a, a potentially deadly virus to people. Um, but also in the sense of if we're going to limit um, crew and pacers, then we need to think about safety of runners as well. Uh, so that's something that I had brought up in our group chat was if, you know, if we limit crew, um, then you know, or pacers, if we have no crew or no pacers, then obviously I feel like we're really putting runners at risk, especially runners who are first time 100 runners. Um, and I mean, cause that's a tough course, man. I mean, I've never run a hundred miles, but you're running 25 miles on that, on that. I mean, all those little rollers, it's, a, it's a, it's a tough one. So I think they're going to do whatever they're going to do, you know? Um, I just wish that they would just come out and say like, this is what we're doing, you know? Yeah. I'm sure they're sitting there having discussions, you know, just back and forth and, and trying to figure that stuff out. I'm, I can't imagine sitting in that position, being the one trying to make those decisions um, and weighing the, you know, benefits and, you know, not benefits um, to make those decisions. So glad I'm not any race directors right now. Agreed. And I feel like, I mean, they especially like not been behind the eight ball, but I feel like, I mean, like Burning River is so proactive with, Hey, we're canceling the race. We're pushing it back to uh third weekend of August. If that ha or uh, doesn't happen, we're pushing it back to this state. Like just having like multiple plans kind of in place. And he kind of been like, we're all systems go. Like <laughs> This is happening no matter what we're, we're going out there and uh, we're going to make it happen. So hopefully and I, and I think a mountain bike race is like, before it before the um the trail rate the trail run so i think that's actually i feel like it's, it's like a 28th or 29th or something like that's coming up like pretty soon exactly yeah so last weekend of may so yeah. yeah and with everything opening back up in ohio i'm curious if they'll yeah they're for sure going to go through with all that right i guess you could say a good distance on a bike i guess yeah and i feel like mohican adventures actually opens opens back up like the same weekend and so I feel like that, I don't think it was strategic for that to happen, but I feel like, um, that kind of lends itself to saying that the mountain bike race, the hundred mile mountain bike race is definitely happening for sure. Yeah. I think I saw like even Cedar point, I think it's reopening like kind of soon in, in Ohio as well. And I, 
it's kind of crazy. <laughs> like if Cedar Point's opening up that you know uh, things are obviously going to get moving pretty soon because I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not a safety expert. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not an epidemiologist by any stretch of the imagination, but. I'll, I'll be real interested to see how people um, interact at some of these races as we get back to hanging out. Like I know like when we did OBU last year, everyone sits around the bonfire and just hangs out. But I'm like, well, are people going to act different? Are crews going to be more like get away from me a little bit or in and out? Or if people are going to act normal, I bet you have some people who act completely normal, like nothing's ever happened and nothing's wrong. And then you have some people who are like further on the other side where they're like, you know, stay away from my bubble. And I'm kind of just see how that will act. And also in how many people aren't going to race. I know a lot of us are itching to get out to race and get back on a course, but I wonder how many people like financially are just going to, you know, pull a plug on any of the stuff that they had planned for the rest of the year to they can recoup what they have going on. I think I've went through stages myself where at first I was like upset that all my races were getting canceled. Um, because the first one that got canceled, I, I mean, I was running just like a 30 K like kind of in preparation for us. So I was running the shameless opossum 30 K and that got canceled. And then trying to think what I had right after that might've been forget the PR. And then I had thunder bunny, you know, not necessarily canceled, but all kind of pushed back. And so at first I was just kind of going through this selfish um, mindset where I was just upset that I wasn't going to be able to run the races that I had previously signed up for. Um, But then I kind of went through a, you know, a period where I was feeling like I I was doing the right thing because I wanted to, you know, obviously not think about myself as much and think about other people, you know, cause I have a, my mother's immunocompromised and, you know, I don't want, you know, anything to happen to her. So I don't want anything to happen to anybody necessarily. So I kind of went through a little bit of selfishness and then kind of realized that I wanted to do the right thing for not only myself, but also for everybody else. And then now I'm kind of back, not to the selfish point, but to this point where I'm just like itching to get out there and run a race. You know, I mean, these training runs have been awesome. And I mean, we ran a virtual forget the PR last weekend, um, but I didn't race it necessarily, you know, and, and it's hard. I mean, of course I would like to go out there and race um, my buddies, but when there's only three of us on the course, then you can't see anybody, you know, there's no one to catch necessarily, you know, so I think it's, I, I feel more motivation when there's, when I can at least see other people to race and, you know, I have more drive to go faster. That's why I was looking, that's why I was so looking forward to Thunder Bunny this year. Cause like all of us are running it. So like all of our whole group is running it. So I just kind of want to race all my friends and see if I can beat any of them. And um, they're probably not racing me. I'm just racing them. So that's, you know. That's the mindset though. Like just don't tell them or do tell them and just beat them them anyway. They're going to watch this. So I guarantee they know that I'm racing them. I probably have told them though, or at least told some of them that I'm out there trying to beat them. So yeah, at this point, the Thunder Bunny 12K would have already wrapped up on Friday evening here and tomorrow people would be gearing up for the 50K uh, now pushed back till August, I believe. But um, yeah, kind of crazy with everything going on. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I, under, I assume now that group camp is still like part of the plan with that. Um, but I'm interested to see if that changes at all, like moving forward um, for Thunder Bunny, just because I think it'd be difficult for some people to run both 12K and 50K for people who sign up for the dual race who live out of town if group camp isn't an option necessarily. So. For sure. Yeah. People can send their questions to at Owen running and uh, <laughs> just bombard his Twitter and other social platforms as, as if he doesn't. I also, I also want to say that I was um, 100% completely pleased with the fact that, you know, his, his group was more than willing to give full refund for, for the race. I think they were one of the few that I had seen personally that were that that was going to do that as opposed to a percentage of a like a deferment to a next you know to the next year or a virtual or just suck it up um which again some of these are going to like strict charities and i'm more than willing to you know allow that money to go to charity if i'm not able to run it but i thought it was just amazing that he you know that that that, that his group was more than willing to give full refund for that race if people weren't able to make the makeup date 
Yeah. I mean, I, I know personally, I love options. <laughs> like, and the fact that like he, he gave three different options, I know burning over, gave multiple options, including multiple deferrals into the following years, like in up to three years in advance. So, I mean, it's just awesome. The race directors that have been able to kind of go above and beyond, it really shows uh, how important they are to the community. Uh, I've got a couple questions here in the chat. If you guys have any final questions for Corey here, let us know. Um, Alex Jackson wants to know, Corey, would you rather run 100 miles eating nothing but black beans or nothing but oatmeal cream pies? Oh, I don't know. Are oatmeal, are oatmeal cream, uh, cream pies vegan? That's what I need to know because I haven't eaten one since I've been vegan, so I'm not sure. But I just recently uh, went vegan, but if they aren't, then I would definitely choose black beans only. Uh, I do love a good black bean. But I'm not sure if the cream and oatmeal cream pie is vegan. I might Google it real quick. Most positive it is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not a vegan or anything, but uh, if Cam, they aren't. Cam, yeah, Cam says if they aren't vegan, you can sub in Oreos. Yeah, I would definitely do Oreos for sure. I do Oreos now. So my go-to race nutrition, I do um, goo uh, or uh, Cliff, uh, you know, the Cliff shot, whatever, uh, their gel. Um and then I do, I always do like Pringles smashed up and then Oreos smashed up together. So I put those in a bag together. And so I get some chips and some Oreo together. Um, just weird. I used to do M&Ms, but since I went vegan, now I do Oreos. But I used to do M&Ms and potato chips together for some reason, like a sweet and salty type. Um, okay, break that down for us. Like how smashed are they? Like what is the size of these Oreos and chips when you pull them out of the bag? Or is it like straight? It's like crumbs almost to the point where I'm like just scooping crumbs into my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, I just try to go as cheap as possible. Well, you know, and I don't, and like the two fifty case I've raced, I didn't stop at an aid station the entire time. So I, I, I refilled on water, but I didn't eat any of the food. So I just, I mean, it's easy to pack your nutrition. Uh, if you're not, if you're not just using handhelds or something like that, uh, on a, on a 50 K. So if you're wearing a vest, you can pack your nutrition pretty easily for a 50 K depending on how fast you're running. Um, so I, I just kind of prefer to eat what I normally eat on a training run. Um, we have a, so Richard got back cause apparently he left and came back and said that he said he has an excuse. If you beat him though, his, his legs will be tired from a 12 K. So I'm running the 12 K too though. So he's mm. not, that's what he's going to sprint the 12 K. He's going to beat me in the 12 K. That's what's going to happen. He's going to beat me in the 12 K. And that'll be his excuse why you beat him in the 50 K. That's it. That's exactly why. Which one of you is going to pull a cam wrench and go out like at a 606 pace and then run the last five miles of that race at like nine minute flat. <laughs> I'm going to walk the last half of that race. That's what's going to happen. If I run at a 606 pace, almost guaranteed. Actually, uh, paced uh, a couple of local high school students to, uh, so they had a, uh, a, f- a challenge in their, for their football team to run a fat, the fastest mile. So it's like linemen and then like, uh, skill, skill team, uh, get separated. So I paced a couple kids that run a fast mile and then do 50 pushups. And I actually ran my fastest mile ever pacing these kids. They couldn't keep up though. So the old man. Oh man, definitely won that one. But it was a, it was only like six seventeen, so it was not that fast, but pretty fast for me. So six oh six is uh, probably within reach, but I'd probably only be able to get one of those in before I'd be done. Richard says he's going to beat you to the trailhead, so I guess that's uh... <laughs> then he wins. Yeah, <laughs> that's all sure. that matters. The thing is, it's like the progression that he's had. I mean, and I think this is something that that we that i kind of wanted to touch on briefly because it kind of almost came up and i know we're probably running low on time but um when you run with people like i know you guys talk talk about running with the burning river group and things like that like when you run with people who are faster than you like you do get faster and you push yourself to get faster so with him running with jared so much he has gotten like crazy fat like way faster than he used to be his fitness is and he doesn't run a lot like he runs like these little three mile jaunts and then goes out there on the weekend and just hangs with jared um on like a 20 mile run you know and and he was primed for gdr and i think he he's he's a he's a good runner you know um obviously we're 
still mid packers, but he's, he's a strong runner and a lot stronger than he used to be. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he runs with people who are faster than him, mostly Jared, you know, Max, Max is a fast, fast dude for sure too. So. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, he, obviously his progression over the past couple of years has been kind of amazing to see even like stuff he's been doing on Strava recently. Like I, I'm in a couple of group chats and I'll be like, yo, listen, Richie just did 50k or rich did the shawnee backpack loop like just like random loops of this huge adventures huge runs with a couple different people and like whenever i see stuff like that on strava i normally share with a couple people and it's like just awesome to see uh the progression that people can kind of good after and especially richard uh, we i we actually uh, potentially gonna uh reach out to him and possibly have him on the show we kind of have a topic that we want to possibly try to cover john and i were talking about like uh supporting a significant other while yeah. running ultras and we were trying to think of like ultra running couples like in the community and him and Brittany were actually like one of the first couples that we kind of uh, had touched on. So we'd love to have them on the show to possibly talk about that. Cause I mean, I'm sure it's interesting to kind of have two people that run ultras and how they support each other at their own races and outside of races as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, it's, and I can't speak for them obviously, but I can imagine that it's on one hand, like incredibly amazing to like be able to support somebody uh, in that sense, but also kind of difficult uh, as well, especially cause they have, you know, they have children. Um, she works in, in healthcare. So she's obviously on the front lines right now training for a 100 mile race. And then, you know, he, he works um, in, in a, uh, in like a factory that, does um what do they produce um like formula so they're essential um because they uh, are the only ones who produce the ones like a two ounce formula um so like they're both like still working full-time we got kids at home who are going to school and they're both training for you know all these races so i can imagine it's very difficult for sure so I think it would yeah, be awesome. No I would love to hear them. I, I mean, obviously I get to talk to them all, you know, not all the time, but I get to talk to them. Um, but never like to sit down and to ha- hear them have a conversation together about how, I think that would be awesome to, to see something like that for sure. For sure. Yeah. We'll definitely have to reach out to them because we, we'd love to have them on and kind of talk mm-hmm. about that. Uh, final questions here. If you have any final questions for Corey here, uh, get those in the chat real quick before we wrap up. Corey, it's been a pleasure having you on, mm-hmm. kind of hearing your story about the FKTs and everything else that we've kind of talked about, the community and whatnot. Uh, what's your bucket list race? If you could just pick one race to run every single year for the next decade, what's that one race that you'd pick? I would say the Mohican 100. Um, I have, I, I love Ohio. Uh, I, when I first started, like, you see like these people who are running like these um, like Western races <clears throat> where, you know, they're mountainous and they are, you know, technical and, and they're just big and they have so much history around them. And like they're there for a while, I really longed for mountains and I really longed to uh, run something that I think would give me like a lot more, like, I don't know, joy and credibility as far as running is concerned but i have fallen so in love with mohican that it is it's like my it's like my spirit park if i had to pick any park that i could go to every single day it'd be mohican i think it's the most beautiful place uh, in ohio i i love shawnee as well i think shawnee is a is a beautiful park um but mohican there's just something i've only been to shawnee once so maybe maybe shawnee would be um you know, a Shawnee 50, I really want to run, want to run Shawnee 50. Um, it's taking place October 5th, right? I think that's the date. I believe so. Yes. So I think that's something that I definitely, um, I, I, I'm thinking about signing up for, but I still have all these like 50 K's that were supposed to take place in the spring now that are taking place in the fall. So it's kind of hard for me because I wanted to plan my first, I was either going to run like Tuscasaur um, 50 miler or Shawnee 50 miler this year for my first 50. But now I'm almost feel like I got to push it back. Cause I have all these spring races I have to fit back in now. Um, but if I could pick any race, it'd definitely be something at Mohican cause I just love the park. Yeah. Mohican's beautiful. I always say the difference between like Mohican and Shawnee is like you go for a run at Mohican. You're like, you're going to enjoy it. You know, the scenery is awesome. Everything's epic. You go for a run at Shawnee. You better get the helicopter ready because you just never know what's going to happen. The terrain just so much crazier and you just got to have like a huge backup plan, but like, yeah, Mohican's obviously beautiful. Uh, what other races do you have lined up for the rest of the year? I know I see Thunder Bunny, um, 50 K, 
Uh, you got a 50 miler next week. You're going to crush it. What else yeah. do you have coming up? Um, I have, so I have, um, both possum races. So the Seamus opossum 30 K and then, uh, uh, playing possum 50 K, but they're happening on the same day. So that might be another 50 miler. Um, because they, you can either run one or the other or both, I guess they're having like, cause they're happening on the same day. So I might run 50 miles that day. I'm not sure yet. 50 miles at Delaware state park does not sound enjoyable uh, to say the least. So I might do it, but, um, and then forget the PR thunder bunny. And I think, yeah, 12 K 50 K thunder bunny. I think that was all I had planned for the spring. And then again, I was going to do a fall uh, 50 miler and then potentially plan on a hundred miler in 2021. But now um, that's definitely changed. So, but I still think I might do a 50 miler 2021 and then do a hundred miler 2021, but definitely use that 50 miler kind of as a training run for that, that hundred. Oh but man, you got you got to do a 50 miler this year, post all your 50 Ks and hop in one at the end of the year there. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing, so there was one that I found that kind of fit my, but again, it's like, it's a, uh, it's an Indiana. It's, I can't it's the, remember. Uh, is it the flat one? It's pretty flat. I forget. I oh, man. So when the world like, records hell, hold on. Right. It's like second week in November. Yeah. Someone, someone in the chat's going to remind me that tunnel Hill. Is that it? Yeah. That's where the fastest 100 is. It might be the fastest fifties too, I guess. Yeah. So I was going to run something like that, but I'm just trying to like see what fits in my calendar necessarily, you know, to have a training block or, you know, but if I'm running all these 50 Ks then I'll probably be, you know, you know, pretty good fitness level to be able to run a 50, I would assume. I don't know. Um, We're going to see this week or next weekend, how well this 50 goes. It's going to be a sauntering 50, but uh, it's going to be 50 nonetheless. So. We're excited to see it happen. Uh, one final question here for you. Um, what's one piece of advice? Obviously, you've gotten a lot of advice over the years. What's one piece of advice you'd give to a new trail runner just finding the scene? Uh, find find a group. Find, find some people who are like-minded and you connect with. And, uh, you know, I think find a community um, to run with because – I mean, even though Richard kind of introduced me to trail running, I don't think we ran together every weekend or every other weekend starting out at all. It probably was maybe about four or five weeks in until I even ran the first time with him. Um, and we didn't run together very often for, for the first bit. But now that we kind of have this running group chat going, whenever someone's going on a long run on the weekends, we they always put it in. Anybody want to run? So we're, I think me, Max, and Jared are actually running uh, John Bryan, uh this, uh, tomorrow so doing just a little run down there yellow springs area um so it's just kind of find find some people who who run you know uh, subscribe to all the you know the, the different channels so ridge runners um on you know obviously youtube instagram all the socials and then get a part of the different groups on facebook so team possum studs um, trail tribe. I'm trying to think of all the other ones that are in Ohio, but get, you know, just immerse yourself in the culture because that's where you're really going to get. It's just more than just going out and jogging some miles, man. It's just like becoming a part of a, of something that's way bigger than yourself, you know? So that's the advice that I would have is just immerse yourself and then find some people to, to run with. Great advice. Yeah. I would definitely have to agree with that on the, on the community piece. Like, you know, getting that, Immersion is really what's going to keep you in it too. Um, so, but we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Um, thanks for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you spending the time sitting down and talk with us. It was a great conversation. We probably could have kept going for another couple hours. Just, we barely scratched the surface of stuff to talk about. Um, where can people find you on social media? You're pretty active on that, aren't you? Uh, yeah. So if, uh, my Instagram is Corey Runs Ohio, C O R Y uh, Runs Ohio. So C O R to the no E Y. Corey, that makes any sense. Corey yeah. with no E. Corey with, the, with the one N, right? Let's just yeah, yeah, one N. <laughs> so yeah, with uh, Corey runners, it would be one N. Nice. Um, you can be posting all your your fifty mile attempt next week. Oh uh, sure. Yeah, or you can find me on Strava too. You just search for Corey Brown. I'm on Strava, uh, and you can uh, links my uh, my uh, 
Instagram link. I just, you know, I'm, I do it all for the gram to be honest with you. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I like, uh, I think that's something too, is like social media is big. So I really enjoy posting on social media and uh, I don't think I get necessarily gratification from it, but I think, you know, being active on social media is important for me. So, um, yeah. So you can find me on Instagram primarily. Sweet. Wesley, where can everyone find us? That's a good question, man. You can find us all over the place. Uh, YouTube at Ridge Runners with one and you can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the other Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the other places that you can find us at. We'll also drop Corey's uh, info in this description of this video as well so people can kind of find him, just click on it from there. Um, Corey, it's been a pleasure. Before we go, can we get verification that you'll send us in a call to the nation during your 50-mile attempt next next week? Oh, yes, absolutely. I will, I will definitely give a call in. Uh, it's going to be a bunch of us too. So maybe we'll just, maybe we'll just put it on speaker and if I'm anywhere near anybody, which probably unlikely, but if I am, then, you know, maybe we'll get some other, you know, maybe we'll get some actual stars on the phone for sure. So. Perfect, man. We look forward to it. Thanks again for taking the time to sit down with us tonight. We had an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, we'll have to do this again in the future. Absolutely, man. Sounds great. All right. Thanks. We'll see everyone later.